We good. We good. We good. We got this. Oh my God. Do you think Kristen Stewart's the best actress that only has one facial expression out there? No, because she has two. Smiling and flabbergasted. This is true. All my Twilight stands out there. I've actually never seen a Twilight movie. I neither. I haven't either. You know, I think that we maybe should dive into that. Um, I think that we should get a bottle of mezcal. And we should dive in. I'm already in. I'm already in. Bottle of Mezcal. I've never, I've never seen it. I just, I think I was a little too old. It was. I never you, even read we the were, books. We were the right age for it, but it was just not a thing. But I also want to become best friends with Robert Pattinson and then watch them with him. I mean, that might take some time, but you know, I'm, I'm dream big. It. I'm already on it. Dream big. Yeah, I mean, no one hates those movies more than he does, and he is so willing to talk about it, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Actually, the only times, I've, only things I've seen from Twilight are the. Uh, it used to there used to be an entire Tumblr blog dedicated to it. Really? Yeah, and it would just be clips of the commentary that Robert Pattinson's doing, and Kristen Stewart's doing her damn best to not shit on it too, and be like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, yeah, this scene, like she's trying to take it seriously, and he's just like, nah, bro. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> It makes me love him even more. He's one of my favorite actors. That's great. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Do you remember that time we watched Personal Shopper? You mean the 2016 supernatural psychological thriller film that stars Kristen Stewart as a young American woman in Paris? I do mean that exact film. That's right. So I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the horror babes. Accurate. Here to talk about Personal Shopper. Sure are. Which you would think it's going to be something like Pretty Woman, but it's not. It is not Pretty Woman. It is not. I mean, she is a pretty woman, but like, it's not the same movie. It's, yeah. Richard Gere is nowhere to be found. Can't find him. Can't find him. I was looking for him the entire time. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, well. So thank you for tuning in. Just in case you are new here, I'm going to let you know exactly how this is going to go down. Topher is going to take us through who made this thing. Shout out the cast and the crew. And then I will take us through the plot. And then in our third installment, we will analyze said plot. But first, do we have any horror news this week? Just some more information from uh, about David Cronenberg's new film. Okay. Um, which reminded me... Uh, I, I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, and I am on film Twitter, and I love that there's a, ro- a long-running tradition of Viggo Mortensen, a.k.a. Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, and David Cronenberg kissing. Oh. Yeah. They love to kiss. Okay. So, you know, because this is an audio medium, you can't see my hand, but it is <laughs> at 90 degrees from my wrist. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of describing that. I like it. Very anatomical. Yeah, so he's just, um, I, I was just reading an interview with him because I have a rich internal life. Right. <laughs> Correct. But, yeah. <laughs> That's my line. Um, but no, it, it, I'm excited. I can't wait to see. Um, what happens with this and I fucking love David Cronenberg so that's kind of really the only big news in fil- uh, horror film yeah I mean right we're, we are getting closer and closer yeah, to summer it's mostly just counting down the days yeah we're uh, the weather is already in the devil's armpit so that's great but <laughs> yeah we're, get, we're, we're getting very very close so yeah like you said it's really just a countdown to that um, I'm very excited I cannot wait so yeah, like you said, this Personal Shopper is a 2016 French film from Olivier Assayas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's an art house director. Um, 
the only thing I'd seen from him before was his short in um, Paris Je Thème. Yeah. But yeah, he had uh, just come off of doing Clouds of uh, Silmaria with Kristen Stewart before this in 2014. Um, yeah, he's he's a working director, but yeah, he tends to be pretty uh, artsy. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Um, but yeah, so he wrote and direct the, directed this. Our stars are Mer- Kristen Stewart as Maureen, the titular por- personal shopper. Uh, Lars Eldinger as Ingo. Sigrid Boisiz as Lara. Anders Danielson Lee as Erwin. Ty Olwyn as Gary. Hamu Graya as the detective. Nora von Waldstatten as Kira. And Benjamin Biolay as Victor Hugo for some reason. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, this, this, this movie deals with Klimt, um, Victor Hugo. Yeah. Cameos. All fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Our cinematographer was Yorick Lasau. I, lo- I really love that this dude's named after a guy in Hamlet. That's fierce. I love that. <laughs> Work. So he has worked uh, with Greta Gerwig on Little Women and Jim Jarmusch on Only Lovers Left Alive. Okay. Both very, pre- very, very pretty films. Love that. And our editor was Marion Monnier. Look at you go. Look at me. Look I love, at get- I love getting, to- getting to speak some French. You are very good at it. But yeah, Marion has worked with... Uh, Marion. Yeah. <laughs> Marion's worked with uh, Olivier a few times, uh, with Olivier Assayas, Assayas, the writer and director of this. Yeah. So yeah, it premiered at Cannes in 2016. Um, it was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or, the big prize. Mm-hmm. Um, it was produced in Belgium, Czech Republic, France, and Germany. So yeah, it, like I said, it, it premiered at Cannes, which is currently going on as we speak. But yeah, that was May of 2016. Um, got its Belgian and French premiere in December of 2016. And then came out in Germany and the Czech Republic in 2017. Mm-hmm. Our box office was about $2.7 million. Um, I don't have any information, unfortunately, on the, uh, on the budget. Um, but yeah, it's it's primarily in French. Um, there is uh, a lot of English as well. Yeah. Because Kristen Stewart does not speak French in this film. Correct. Not, or she speaks a little bit here and there, but yeah. And then there's also some Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. That's, awesome. uh That's the rundown for now. Amazing. What happens in this movie, babe? I'm going to tell you. Cool. Um, <laughs> so like you said, we have Maureen Cartwright. Um, she's a personal shopper in Paris. Ooh, did I do that right? You did. Yes, it's the first time I've you ever fi- done that you right. Finally got the R right. Oh, it's so hard for me. It's so hard for me. It was my worst language in college. Um, <laughs> I had to do German, um, Italian, and uh, you were you, we get it. You're a singer. Yeah, exactly. It was it was very tough. So she's a personal shopper in Paris. Ooh. For Kira. Um, a very entitled supermodel. Yeah, there's like just this running line of everybody's just like, Kira's a bitch. Everyone's a- afraid of her. <laughs> Everybody hates Everyone's her like and afraid is afraid of her. Of her. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maureen waits for her twin brother, Louis, who is who is died. He's dead. Um, of a genetic heart condition um, to fulfill their shared oath of sending a signal from the afterlife. Yes. It's kind of cute. Like, I'm kind of, I kind of like it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very cute. Uh, I feel like if my sister and I were twins, we'd probably have the same oath. I think that's why I find it really cute. Because we're it's, both spooky. It is cute. We're both spooky hoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So then Maureen, uh, in hopes of getting this signal, um, she stays overnight at Lewis's home, um, hoping to receive that sign and briefly does encounter a spiritual presence. Yeah. And then Lewis's girlfriend, Laura, goes with Maureen to meet a couple formerly acquainted with Lewis who are interested in purchasing the house. Yeah, they're having her. So she's a medium and they're having her investigate the house to make sure that the spirit there is benevolent, not malevolent. Yeah. And then uh, the wife mentions the artist Clint, which I... Hilma of Clint. Yeah. Um, Whose paintings are inspired by messages from the spirit world. So then Maureen's like, oh. Um, So she video chats with her friend Gary, who's a contractor in Muscat. He's her boyfriend, right? I think they're like at least talking. It seems yeah, like there's it feels a like it's more... implied that they're together, but I can't. I could not tell. Yeah, um, he encourages her to stay with him, which she's like, nah, I don't want to. Yeah, he's just um, chilling in the Sultanate of Oman. Yeah, and then the next day at Kira's apartment, Maureen meets Ingo, a magazine editor and Kira's lover. He comments that Kira is planning to break up with him uh, out of fear that her husband will discover the relationship. And then later Maureen uh, goes to Lewis's home and she's disturbed by the bathroom's faucets they're turning on. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty classic haunting shit's about to go down moment. Right. And then after she uh, inspects the whole house, Maureen finds that her drawings have been violently scratched out. And then she's pretty terrorized by a female specter. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it feels like it's uh, trying to hurt her. Yes. Which the, I'm just going to go ahead and say this CGI is shit. It's rough. I'm, I am, I wish they hadn't shown anything here, you know? Yeah, it just, yeah, we'll talk about that. And then Maureen begins receiving text messages from an unknown sender that she initially suspects to be Lewis. And then the messenger encourages her to indulge in forbidden desires like wearing Kira's clothes. Maureen goes to Kira's place to wear her clothes and then and then starts masturbating in Kira's bed. Yeah. Um, Interesting scene. It's exactly it's how I thought Euphoria was going to go this past season where Maddie keeps trying on her um, uh, boss's clothes. Uh, she falls asleep and then um, is woken up by the same female specter at Lewis's home and tells Laura the following morning that there is no longer a supernatural presence in the home. And then we've got this enigmatic messenger it, leaving Maureen a room key for a hotel. And she goes there wearing one of Kira's newest dresses. And um, she's at the hotel. She finds an empty room. She attempts to investigate the texter's identity. She's kind of going a little crazy here. She Mm -hmm. really wants to know who this is. She's asking the front desk. Um, The room was prepaid in cash under her name, though. Right. So no 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 conclusion. Yeah, no conclusion there. And then Maureen drops off Kira's jewelry at the apartment. Very um, expensive Cartier. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this, this movie is full of Gucci, Chanel, and Cartier. 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 Yeah. Just like in Ocean's 8. I love that movie. It's so good. Let's watch so, it later. Oh my god, I love that movie. So she drops the jewelry at the apartment and opens Kira's bedroom door and finds Kira's naked corpse on the bathroom floor. She's dead. Um, Maureen flees on her motorcycle to the police station. Uh, she's, of course, interrogated about her relationship with Kira since she found her. She works for her, etc. She's eventually released after this interrogation. She's ignoring the texter who is demanding to know if Maureen revealed their conversations to the police. And then uh, she goes back to her own apartment and Maureen 
calls Gary to take up his offer for yeah. staying in Muscat. And uh, Maureen discovers that she has the jewelry in her apartment despite telling the police she left it at Kira's place, which, yikes. Uh-oh. 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 Um, the texter demands that Maureen return to the hotel room, which she proceeds to with the jewelry. And then in the hotel, Maureen seemingly recognizes the um, person entering the room and elevators and the doors in the hotel are then shown opening and closing for some some in some ghost, entity, yeah. some ghost or whatever, whatever the fuck some sort you wanna, of spectral motherfucker, whatever you want to call it. And then afterwards, Ingo is shown leaving the hotel and is apprehended by two policemen and confesses to murdering Kira. Shocking. Love will drive you crazy. (laughs) It's always the husband or the boyfriend. Yep. Um, And then meeting with Laura at a restaurant, Maureen asks to stay with her before joining Gary in, in Oman. And then the next morning, Maureen meets Irwin, who's Laura's new lover and Lewis's friend. He leaves for work, and then as Maureen sits in the garden alone, a figure is seen in the kitchen holding a glass and soon disappears, and the glass levitates before shattering on the floor. Yeah, there's like a bit of a hold there. Uh, Yeah. And then she flies to Oman to stay with Gary in the mountains, and at his retreat, Maureen hears a noise and finds a glass floating in the air. It falls and shatters. And then she questions the whatever it is, and um, frustrating, frustratingly, uh, the response to her questions is just a single thump. Yeah, it's just a boom. boom. And, and then um, Maureen has reached her She's at a breaking point. point oh, yeah. She's, she's lost it. And she's repeatedly asking, you know, like, Lewis, is it you? Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. And um, which kind of just, that just reminds me of even Stevens. Lewis! <laughs> um, anyway, during the silence before finally asking, or is it just me? And receives a replying thud. Yeah. So we're watching her go crazy. Yep. This movie it's... just gaslights all of us, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's and so funny. It. So the initial screening, it got booed. The official one, it got like a four and a half minute standing ovation, which I do not understand. I understand the boos more than I understand the ovation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've i got to be honest here. I was bored to tears. Oh, my God. I couldn't movie. pay attention. Bored to tears. Um, the positive thing that I will say is I do think Kristen Stewart gave a really stellar performance. She's fantastic in this. No question. I love her in this. Yeah. Um, and I want to see her in like a proper horror film now. Like that's what, that's what this gave me was like, oh damn. Well, she's in, she's in a, what I would call a variation of a horror film, um, that the, the movie version of the novel speak. Oh yeah. Where the girl gets, um raped in high school and is having to deal with all of that i would consider that pretty horrific but yes we uh i I read it and watched the movie in high school like for my language arts class nice and um i think we did that instead of lord of the flies honestly and because i never read lord of the lord of the flies and i know everyone else did Mm -hmm. and yeah i remember i remember thinking that she was really great in that and and this is no exception. I think that she does a really wonderful job. I think that she's one of the bright spots in this movie. Uh, th- this otherwise like super boring movie. Yeah. And it's uh, so here's something else. Here's something I think about a lot. There are times that being bored is a good thing in media. 
For sure. So. It can't always be, you know. Right. And, but the boredom needs to be a choice, right? Like it needs, you need to feel those feelings for a reason. So, um, greatest game of all time. I'm going to take us to video games for a second. All right. But it's one of the most popular. So I think this will still be relatable. Yeah. Without spoiling anything about the game, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. There are times when you are bored in that game. Right. But the it's clear that the writers wanted you to feel that way. Yeah. Like I was sitting there and it, there's a point in the game where like you're just waiting around for something to happen. Like the gang that you run with is waiting around for something to happen. Yeah. And you're just sort of like fucking off and doing shit because you're like, I don't know, dude, I'm bored. I don't know what to do next. And then you it hits you like the next second that is a line in the game. Yeah. Is that someone's like, I'm fucking bored. When are we going to do something? When are we going to make this money? When are we going to move west? And you go, oh, shit. I was supposed to feel that way. And a true master of their craft can get you to feel that way. And make you say out loud, I'm bored. And then a character will say, I'm bored. And you go, fuck, that's so cool. Yeah, I totally get like I I definitely think that you have to have um, peaks and valleys and ebbs and flows and a lot of um, narratives, especially if they're a little bit longer, like a long form video game like Mm -hmm. that. And yeah, I agree. I think it needs to be a choice when this definitely was not. Right. Like one of my favorite pieces. And again, this is not a controversial opinion because this is a very popular piece. uh, Waiting for Godot. The whole point is to experience boredom. Yeah. And to experience anticipation. Right? You're bored for a reason. You're supposed to feel bored. You're supposed to feel antsy. And it's supposed to make you reflect on that boredom and understand why you feel that way. Right? It's a question about art. Should art be entertaining or can you be entertained by the idea of being bored? Right? Yeah. And I was just very confused um, by a lot of this just because... I had heard a lot of good things about it, and normally yeah. when a movie that's um, from from an international festival that you know shows up on Hulu, normally it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, Parasite is on there right now, you know. Um, yeah. So I had pretty high expectations for this, and I just I didn't really think that it was. I didn't even think that the concept was that original. I didn't think it, it didn't wow me. Um, and if it had been visually interesting or maybe they had had a new take on this pretty because it's a ghost story at heart it right? is yeah it's, it's supposed to yeah story. it's a ghost story through and through it's a haunted house film and or at least it starts that way yeah and it's just I don't know I can't I'm I'm having trouble finding uh redeeming qualities because I the the cinematography gives me the conjuring vibes like it's a little corny it 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 doesn't look great but i do have some good things to say about it great um <laughs> yeah so i think there's some really interesting choices made in the shot selection yeah i will say i don't i th- I, I agree with you it looks cheap everything about this looks cheap yeah um and it's hard to make kristen stewart not look good and yeah. generally speaking she doesn't in this like no one does um, it's overly dark. It, yeah, the lighting's all over the place. Um, and that's why it's giving you Conjuring vibes is because it's trying to be a carnival horror film in the way it's lit. And the lighting yeah. is what's going to change that. I also, I was trying to find what it was shot on, but it feels like it was just shot on just like a basic digital. Right. Um, doesn't feel like anything special is what I mean to say. So 
that being said, that's my like the the mean things I have to say about it. The actual shot selection is really good. Um, moment to moment, there's fantastic shot selection, and I'm reading. I, I was reading a really good review of this. It's positive, and it has some of the similar things to say about it. Um, but it's from uh, Alex Heaney at Seventh Row. Okay. So they talk about how this this is this is what showed me that I should be paying. I, I was like, there is something good about the cinematography. I was trying to figure out what it was, and it's this. So they say that. Um, the shot selection actually isolates Maureen, and that's the point of it. It's a film about isolation, not about ghosts. Right. And okay. I and I will I have a reinterpretation of that that I like, but I'll get to it. So they point out that uh, Sahini points out that you never have two shots in this, right? Mm-hmm. You have close up close up of Maureen, and then a reverse of whoever she's talking to. Yeah. And then wide shots where she's alone. Right. And the frame is empty. Anytime we, and like, we, uh, this is why Kristen Stewart was perfect for this role. And it's probably a choice she made on set. She never makes eye contact. Right. Not with her doctor, who's talking to her about her heart condition and her brother's heart condition. Uh, not when she talks to her boyfriend on Skype, when, when she talks to Gary. And he is very much an intrusion in her life as well. Yes. So like she lives in her own personal world. Everybody else is kind of around. Like we never see her look at someone really. The only person she actually like looks at looks at is yeah. Ingo. Yeah, it's true. Because the true. only person she wants to see is Lewis. Yeah. So here's where my interpretation of this film comes in. Yeah. It is a ghost story. She's the ghost, right? She's just waiting in Paris for nothing. Right? It's a good take. Yeah. I, I um, follow it. Yeah, and it doesn't mean the movie's good, but it's what I want it to be clearer about. Okay. Like, we've talked about transparent filmmaking before, right? Yeah. Um, someone like Steven Spielberg, very transparent filmmaker. You know what's going on, and you know what the movie's about, and every moment of the film reminds you of what it's about, right? Yeah. It's a... It's a um, I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, Spielberg is someone who has an economy of shot and an economy of dialogue that works really well. Yeah. Right? Everything means something. Um, this film doesn't get to that point, And that's what makes it suffer. That it is not economical in its choices. Right? Um, it has plenty of dialogue, but not all the words mean, mean something. Right? Not every word is necessary. Not every scene is necessary. Yeah. Same with the shots. It's a little too overbearing in the CGI, like you said, which is it looks chintzy it does it does i i wish that they hadn't i'm i would have been but i think it would have been better off with um something that we couldn't see that was kind of terrorizing her yeah um because that's going to leave you more in that that feeling of isolation that feeling of is she is it just me or is it you yeah and seeing it just kind of took me out of you know i wasn't super in it to begin with but it kind of took me out of um what i was trying to trying to get into i guess yeah no i can I, I fully follow you on that i think that's exactly right is that you are distracted because it's not engaging you so yeah. that's back to that boredom conversation right boredom and space in a film don't mean that it's not economical right like we've talked a bunch about terrence malick terrence malick has a harsh economy of of dialogue because he barely uses any yeah he has a 
bigger economy of shot, but everything he does supports his thesis, right? Yeah. And at least in his more successful films. And he's someone who takes risks and all of that. But someone, another filmmaker that we could shout out uh, for all this controversy, Tarantino. Yeah. His movies are three hours long. They never feel like it, other than Hateful Eight, which again is supposed to feel that long, you know? Yeah, I guess I just feel maybe at the end of the day that this movie, um, between its lack of originality and um, lack of intentionality, I think that's where I get lost. Yeah. Or I just kind of get a little bit bored. Because again, like, I, I totally get that, you know, you kind of. If you have a planned lull in your um, narrative to make something that's coming up a little bit a pop a little bit more, I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I had really high expectations for this, and it just didn't work out. 100%. Um, I mean, it's to shout out another great film. And not, not every movie has to be the best thing ever, right? Yeah. But you should be trying to make it that. Like, care enough about your art to make it correctly. Yeah. Or as correctly as you can. So, shouting out to The Thing, right? We don't feel the boredom during the film. We're introduced to the film with boredom, right? When uh, Kurt Russell pours his scotch into the computer because he's so bored that he's just sitting there playing chess and just says, cheating bitch, and kills the computer with his scotch, right? Yeah. Like, that's a moment where you feel the boredom, but it's already there. And that explains why everybody goes crazy so quickly, right? Exactly. Even the, even without the monster, they would go crazy at some point. It's that isolation and that feeling of, I don't know you, I don't know your deal, all I know is a couple of things about you, and I'm bored out of my fucking skull, so of course I'm not going to trust you. Like, yeah. using boredom is the explanation. Yeah. And this, it, it's... It's a hard thing to say about a film that you're... Like, that's one of the worst things you can say about a film, honestly. Yeah. Is that it didn't entertain you. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, this didn't make me feel anything. It didn't make me question anything. It didn't make me... I, I don't know. I kind of... I was really struggling with paying attention. And I get it. I have ADHD. But, <laughs> but like, I can usually pay attention to something like this. Like, I don't usually have that many issues, especially with horror films, because they are so stimulating. Uh, like, this one just... I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. Like, I mean, I, I finished it, but it wasn't easy. It's only an hour and 45 minutes, too, which is yeah, kind of my long. it's kind of my ideal um, length of a movie. A and I just film, yeah. I just couldn't. I, I was I was really struggling with this. Um, and it's I think it's because they don't lean into the mystery of it all. They don't lean into the the isolation of it all. Folk. It, it's not focused. Yeah. I think and that's, that's what makes me bored. It. It's, yeah. it's got to hurt your ADHD if you already can't focus and the film can't either. Like, damn. It's just it's the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And my autistic ass is sitting there going like, I want to pay attention, but I can't. This is terrible. <laughs> I was trying really hard. I had to take breaks because I, I just focus couldn't. on things so easily. Yeah, I just you hyper focus on things. Uh-huh. I I go the opposite. I'm like on my phone, like <laughs> looking for anything. Um, yeah, no, it yeah. was it was it was a struggle and a half. But uh, Chris Stewart did great. <laughs> yeah, but that's like that's one of the good things about watching movies that don't succeed is that you can find interesting discussions with them. I think that, like there's more to say on this on this boredom topic. There's more to say on all of these topics and they're fi- th- like the idea of isolation is very interesting to me in film, right? Yeah. Like to be especially to be in a huge city like Paris 
that is the one thing I felt was the biggest success of this film beyond uh, Stewart's performance, which enhanced it for sure. But that feeling of isolation in a major, major, major city. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, I just, I, I find isolation in film really fascinating. I think that's, again, like I was saying, it's even in a bad movie, you can find something cool to think about. And this is one of those, I think. Definitely. And I think it, I think that it's something that, um, Everyone can relate to, especially after going through uh, what we went through in 2020 with COVID and everything. That yeah. was a serious, I mean, literally you had to be isolated. Um, that was such a huge buzzword for that year and the year following isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, quarantine, isolation, I don't think I've ever used those words as much. Um, so I think that it's, I always do think that it's really interesting as well because it's a trauma in and of itself. And it's interesting because when you, I think that when a lot of people think of trauma, they think of something that has been done to someone. Right. They don't think of that kind of slow burn trauma of being isolated and not having any sort of interaction or any meaningful interaction even, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because I would say that there's definitely a form of isolation for people who go to a job where they see strangers all the time and maybe they don't, um, work with that many other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're interacting or even some of these work from home jobs where you're maybe doing like tech support or you're doing, right, you know, something right, like right, that yeah. where, yeah, sure. You're talking to someone on the other side, but you don't have like coworkers that you're going out for drinks after or you're going to get coffee with, or you're, sure, you yeah. don't have any of that. So I think that there's even, um, I think that even when you have very empty, human interactions, that's a form of isolation as well. When that's your only human interaction, I think that that is a little bit more of a concentrated version of isolation. And I think that that's what she's dealing with here. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially like the using the loss of a twin. It's a classic trope. For um, sure. But yeah, you, losing... Uh, <laughs> we just covered Goodnight Mommy. Yeah. I mean, we can see I exactly yeah. how that goes down. And this is kind of like, you know, how does this go down? But when someone has a matured brain (laughs) yeah exactly um someone who's in their late 20s and clearly has depression and things like that you know um it's interesting you we the last few movies we've covered have all dealt with isolation in one way or another it's become the accidental theme of the month because like like you just said in goodnight mommy they're away from the world like they're in a country home Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a twin who feels like his twin is there but is actually not yeah. And his mother isolates him, herself from him, right? Yeah. In Fresh, it's she's physically isolated. Like, again, put uh, like off in the middle of nowhere outside of Portland and locked in a cell alone. But, yeah. she, but you never feel her isolation in that movie. That was one of the things I noticed most about that is that even though she was locked in a cell alone... She, you know, she was she, either talking to... Um, someone who's in the cell next door or or he was always coming down there and inviting her to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And so I you ne- you never feel her feel alone. Yeah. Um cuz she's either being supported or tortured. Right. Um <laughs> but she's not alone. Yeah. Um and there's so yeah, someone's going through the same thing as she is. This is the one where I feel it most. And I will say that I I'm going to come back to that again as a success of this film. Yeah. That particularly comes from the shot selection. Again, I don't like the I don't like the way it looks, but I like the way it's shot. Right. Um, I think it's a very cleverly shot film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that is that that is it, the editing's pretty good too. I mean, the editing's pretty solid and tight, but yeah. it really comes from this use of the camera as an observer of someone's isolation, loneliness, depression, ennui. Yeah. To throw a French word in there, like this is a woman who constantly says, "Like, why are you in Paris? I'm waiting. Waiting on what? I'm waiting." And yeah. Then, like, like eventually, she explains it to some people, but not to everyone. Right? Like. She has no reason to be there. She doesn't want to be there except for her dead brother. And that's using the camera to display that alongside the dialogue is really strong. Yeah, I I certainly agree with that. And I can definitely commiserate with her when she, you know, she I think a lot of people feel this way. She especially uh, creatives. She says, I'm, I'm doing all of this shit that doesn't matter when I, and I don't have time to do the things that do matter. Yeah. Like to I her. Said like said that she's yesterday. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And it's, it's, you know, you do have to make money, especially Paris is a, is a, uh, notoriously expensive, expensive yeah. city, just like New York City. And so everyone there is kind of trying to make money. Um, but there are also a lot of creatives in Paris. So it's, um, it's, I, I totally feel her on that when, you know, she says that line. I think it's very relatable. And I do think the isolation that she's experiencing also because of that, because again, like you said, like she's quote unquote waiting. Her only friend that we really see in the film is like in in another place and telling her to come and she's saying, no, I'm mm-hmm. here, I'm waiting. And then, you know, it's for what? And it's like a sign from my dead twin brother. Right. Um and we, it's established lore, I think, as we would all sort of agree on, that spirits are typically tied to places. Yeah. But I do love this. I, I, there's a lot of strong ideas in this film. It's just that there's too many ideas, right? It's a, it's a blend. Every review I read is like, it's a wonderful blend of genres. I'm like, no, it has no idea what it wants to be. It's me as a freshman in college. Like, and what it's... major are you going to declare? I don't know. I'm going to declare all of them and try them out. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's just on a very superficial level, so fucking boring. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and that's and that's fine. And, like, it's one of those things that, like, boredom's hard to get right. Like, it's a very difficult emotion to get done, to, cut, to get across, right, without it feeling like it's a mistake. Yeah. And, I, like, even some of the masters can't do it. Like, Sam Raimi could never make a film where you're supposed to feel bored. Yeah, and I don't even know if... Um, I think that another version of that is your character can feel bored mm-hmm. and the audience might not feel bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the yeah. idea of a film is to make the audience feel something that m- maybe you feel sympathy for that person because of their boredom and isolation. Maybe, mm-hmm. you, f- you know, you it's, it's the audience's job to feel something and it's their job to make us feel something. So maybe the character is feeling... Um, boredom or even you know resentment like all of these things we are feeling just maybe pity depending on the narrative we're yeah, feeling yeah. we're feeling different things but all i felt during this was bored <laughs> yeah and that's not the intention of the film it clearly yeah. means to be like some sort of thriller and it's just not it's not thrilling yeah uh it's unfortunate that it's not but it's not it's um i don't know though i i i'm, I'm fascinated by this idea though because I'm, I'm trying to think of like other films that i felt bored in but i was supposed to you know and it's things it's it, like it's used really well in like war films a lot of time or like heist films anything where you're that like where you crawling need, up the walls well and anything that you kind of need to show um the mundane of everyday life they have to kind of set that up so you are supposed to feel bored with with any of those things where someone's life changes 
for right. better or for worse in a movie. Um, for worse, normally in horror films. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you, you kind of have to have those use that as a tool sometimes in those movies that's a good example yeah. of it i think i think kubrick is probably the best at it yeah um i mean he can't be anymore he's dead but he was he was he was a fucking master of making you feel boredom for a reason yeah he uses it both in 2001 a space odyssey when you're on board the ship and it makes you the boredom feels like the it feels like a menace yeah it gives you that menacing feeling because then that's when you find out about how sorry for spoiling 2001 a space odyssey it came out 50 <laughs> years ago Go watch it. It's great. Um, and then The Shining, which we've covered, or we haven't covered because we're not going to cover it because what new thing can we say about The Shining? But you know what I mean? Like, it's that's one of the best, one of the best characters in the film is boredom. Um, and that's the you feeling bored during The Shining makes you feel tense. And I love that. Yeah. Like, that is, that, that is fucking masterful. That it makes you feel like you want to climb up the walls and you go, oh, I'm supposed to feel that right now. It's that really beautiful moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a good movie inside of this movie. Um, it's not what we got. But, you know, another couple drafts, another couple ideas, or a few, a couple fewer ideas, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, I, lo- I love talking about economy of film because, like, you've, you've got an hour and 45 minutes. Use it right, you know? I do want to shout out too that the um, Kristen Stewart's nudity in this. We do have a, a oh, topless yeah. scene. It it is, it, it's it's not exploitation, which I really like. Um, it's not supposed to be seen as sexual. Mm-mm. It's you know because normally it's when clinical, a, literally clinical. Literally, she's at the doctor, um, which I just I really appreciated. We, we didn't see like a creepy doctor like a teeth moment. We didn't yeah. see you know God. like yeah. and that's so easy for people to just do to like add that in like the right. doctor was yeah. it was very professional in it when normally be, in horror above films and beyond, yeah normally in horror films especially with your protagonist they're going to show just like how much how abused they are in their daily life right mm-hmm. yeah they're going to want to make Absolutely. you feel sorry for them they're going to use that tool and i really just appreciate that this movie didn't do that that it was very just like okay she's at a doctor's visit so of course and they're looking at her heart so of course she has to have her top off and he never looks at her tits like at all yeah, like again, he, it's very he's, professional. Yeah, he's watching and... the the ultrasound yeah. and he or the EKG or whatever it is, and he hands her a wipe to get the goo off, but he doesn't look at her. He just hands it to her. Yeah. Or he looks, tries to look at her face or whatever, but he doesn't feel like he's trying to, like, it doesn't feel like he's about to break his neck. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's he's... no awuga. <laughs> I'm not going to look at He's yeah. going to comment. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's very, like I said, clinical. It's set dressing, but not even set dressing because it's not meant to be pretty. Um, it's meant to be just a, it's just there. It just exists. We're just following her in her life. Yeah. It's it's a a normal normal everyday thing. Medical procedure. Um, and the masturbation scene was good too. Like it, it worked. Yeah. You don't, you felt the weird sexiness that you were supposed to feel like Again, there's things in this movie that work really well. It's just that there's too many things and not all of them work. Yeah. Agreed. If it had been a much tighter story, I would have liked this a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I, and take out the CGI. Yeah. We don't need it. It doesn't help. We don't need it. Yeah, it's it feels that feels like just a, a, a idea that was had, and they said, "Yeah, we got to put in some, we got to put the ghosts in." And it's but like, no, you don't. No, they clearly don't, because in the hotel at the end, you see that. Yeah. There's no one moving through those, but they're opening and closing. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. That's how you shoot that. Um, it just it it's so much better when you don't look. I'm talking to Nicole. Don't show the monster hood over here. Literally, there are very few instances <laughs> where I think that showing the monster is um, productive. Yeah, I uh, fully agree. 
financially too like why like why spend all that money spend that money elsewhere if that's your you know in your budget spend it elsewhere spend it on a better camera something like that yeah (laughs) yeah that's kind of i mean yeah i'm kind of ending this the way that i began like i just was bored to tears i think there's a lot that could have been done here i don't really understand the rave reviews about this but that's okay yeah that's what i was so confused about um I That's will post what's the... so nice about art is that yeah. you, nobody has to agree. People can have strong opinions either way, and you don't have to sway other people into believing what you believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I will make sure to post this article below the uh, episode description or in the episode description. Um, it's I really like the seventh row article because it ends up getting into like technology and how we're isolated by technology and how we do like interact with other folks and using glass as a screen in the film. Um, like we, when we see her through glass, we're seeing her through a screen the same way she sees a lot of the world. Um, it's a cool article. It's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, thesis. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we have a website, horrorbabespod.com. If you're enjoying us, feel free to give us a rating or a review or tell hey. your friends and family, whoever, you know, might enjoy this silly little podcast until next time. Bye, babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.